I'm Russ White at the Network Collective, and this is a Network Collective short take. In this short take, I found some time at Next Work, Juniper's conference, to sit with Matt Oswalt and talk about chaos engineering. So, hey, Matt, how are you today? Doing well, Russ. How about you? You're not wearing your lab coat. I am, I'm not. We, we, we are all disappointed. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I left my flasks at home. I am an, I am an underprepared uh, scientist. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. But a mad scientist. Ever. Ca- chaos engineering. Oh, I've got the mad part down. <laughs> but yeah. So tell us about chaos engineering. What do you think? Um, it, it's funny. Uh, I, 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 you know, I think it's everybody's at least heard of uh, some of the some of the materials that's been coming out from folks like Netflix to do uh, that. They talk about doing chaos, chaos engineering and yeah, exactly. They've released right. software. This is almost ten years ago that this happened. Honestly, um, so it's not a necessarily a new concept, but. Um, in networking, we, we, we tend to, you know, obviously we're sort of lower on the totem pole, and so we get a little antsy when we talk about breaking things on purpose. Um, but I, I think the next 10 years especially is going to be very interesting, especially now that we see companies like Gremlin, who's a startup focused on chaos engineering, um, not in the networking space, but they're, they're, uh, you know, they're actually a, a startup that's, that's doing this for real, um, helping customers uh, implement chaos engineering uh, themselves. Um, using a, a hosted. Okay, offering. that's really cool. I actually didn't know there was a company doing this. Yeah, cre- yeah. Gremlin is a is a. I believe it's a SaaS offering. Effectively, okay. you can set up little agents within your uh, your AWS infrastructure, and I think they might do some on prem stuff too. Okay. Um. Anyway, I, I think we're sort of at this inflection point. Just typically, sort of how how uh, how how networking tends to um, sort of learn from some of the management uh, paradigms that have, that happen elsewhere. Um. I, I think the next ten years is going to be very interesting with networking uh, to implement some of these uh, same concepts. Yeah. The, yeah. Exactly. The way chaos engineering is going to be manifested in networking will be different because inherently the technology is different. But I think a lot of the concepts are, okay, are definitely so transferable. Okay, so through that a little bit. What do you think is going to be different about chaos engineering for sure. networking? Well, for instance, I mean, one of the one of the tenets of chaos engineering, and, and, and they call them chaos experiments because, uh, very intentionally, because what do you do when you're a scientist? And, and speaking of scientists, I should have my lab coat on. That's right. <laughs> you set up an experiment, right? You're actually yeah, exactly. going into causal theory, and you try to set up something that proves whether or not your theory is correct. Yeah, and, and you start with a hypothesis. You believe that something is true, and your experiment is aimed at proving otherwise or mm-hmm. proving correct. Right. Um, and so in networking, we have a hypothesis that we believe our network is resilient. Um, the only way to truly know that that's the case is to run an experiment that challenges that hypothesis. And again, because we're so low on the totem pole, we're very scared of doing this. Okay. Because if we if we break something, we're going to be in trouble. In trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I remember um, walking into a company once and they said, actually, I didn't do it. This guy called me and said, I just walked into this company and they told me if the network fails again, the entire IT staff, staff is, is fired. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and I'll tell you, that inspires so much confidence in folks doing things in an automated uh, fashion. Oh, I can tell is. you, oh, yeah, not sure. really. So much. <laughs> I've been in I've been in environments like that where they explicitly say no automation because of 2011. <laughs> that yeah, time it happened. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so, and again, I think I think uh, you know the focus on like Google does stuff with site reliability engineering, and we're you know we're starting to talk a little bit more about network reliability engineering. Right, yeah. Some of the same concepts, like um, we're not suggesting that failure is fun. Um, it's not. Oh no, come on. Even Google is. and Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, sometimes it's fun. If you're not if you're not on if you're not on call, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. If you're on call, it's less fun. Um, but it's it's not it's not really about that failure is fun. It's that failure is a learning opportunity. And so when you look at things like reliability engineering or chaos engineering. It's it's not about uh, failing things because it's fun. It's about failing things because you want to make your life better over time. It's actually failing on your terms. Failure is inevitable, but it's so much better than waiting for it to happen. As uh, actually, the SRE book has a has a, a motto in it that says, um, "Hope is not a strategy." 
and that's it, nothing has rung truer in, in, than in networking, I think, than that. Uh, just because we, 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 I think we take a little bit more for granted um, these days than, than we really ever have, and it's time to start to challenge so some of those assertions. So there's actually a research paper I was going to review on my blog. I never got around to it. I'll yeah. get to it eventually. That talks about how to do system design, and it's yeah. one of these really old research papers, and it talks about how do you know all your requirements are complete? You know, and all these other things. Yeah, sure. And, and, and reading it, it's almost humorous today. Yeah. Because we don't ever know when our requirements are complete anymore. No, of course not. Uh, and, I, and, and, and like, for instance, I'll, I'll tell folks, like, how, you know, how do you know your network is working correctly uh, if you don't know what it's supposed to be providing, what services it's supposed to be providing, what applications it's supposed to be providing those services to? It's impossible. Yeah. Um, you don't know. You yeah, don't exactly. Yeah. So, so what would you say to somebody who says, oh, I run a bank and you wouldn't want chaos engineering on your bank network? I would say that failure is inevitable, and I don't think anybody can argue with that. Okay. And I, I would just say, would you rather failure happen on your terms or the on, universe's terms? On the universe's terms. <laughs> yeah, and that's what chaos engineering is. It's actually, um, again, I, I think it's a much more of a scientific approach. Uh, people hear the stories about chaos, the word chaos evokes this like, well, it's chaos. It's like, that's bad. But the, the engineering aspect of this, or chaos experiments, um, allow us to constrain those experiments. For instance, um, I have a hypothesis that my OSPF configuration is solid. I would like to challenge that assertion. I'm also rolling out BGP in a limited capacity, and I know it's not finished, so I do not want to test that because it will cause failure. Chaos experiments are about setting up those constraints and only challenging the, the assertions that you want to challenge. That you want to challenge. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a term, a term in terms of limiting the scope. And so again, it's not just about causing failure because it's fun, it's, it's not. It's about causing failure in a constrained way that challenges those specific assertions. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. So you're, you're scoping the, the scope of the failure from the outset in the way you set the experiment up. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah, and you have to. I mean, it's, there's no point in running a chaos experiment right. on something Unless that you, you know, know is gonna fail. Right. It's about, again, just like the scientific principle, experiments are aimed at challenging a hypothesis. Right. If you don't have a hypothesis, there's no experiment. Okay. So if you have the hypothesis that says, I believe this is resilient, it's time to challenge that. Okay. So going back to networks, I mean, think through, like you said, doing OSPF instead of BGP. What yeah. other parameters could you put around it that you could think of? Oh, all kinds. I mean, our, our networks are, uh, the network itself is, is inherently a distributed application. Um, and there are an, an unlimited set of sort of Venn diagrams where you could uh, tie different scopes together. Um, you could say things like, I want to run a chaos experiment, um, and I only run it to run on the OSPF layer, and I want to keep the physical boundaries within this area of the network, because maybe the data center is much more reliable, um, and you're still rolling out some edge sites, and you don't want to include them in the experiment. And so there's not just those two axes, um, but then you also start to talk about things like time of day. I don't want to run chaos experiments when I'm experiencing peak traffic. Maybe you're just not ready for that, and that's yeah. understandable. Now, of course, you have to design your network with modularization built in exactly. so that you exactly. can actually do those kinds of yeah, if you're running spanning tree everywhere, I wouldn't recommend that you do chaos engineering. <laughs> that is chaos engineering. <laughs> yeah, spanning tree itself is chaos. Oh, man, we're here all night. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I'm going to steal that. <laughs> Even radio said you didn't want to do spanning tree. So I, I don't know. You know? Yeah, There's yeah. like something weird going on. There. Yeah, for sure. So other than the network design pieces, yeah. I mean, are there specific skill sets that you think are needed? I mean, I know that during philosophy, I do a lot of causal st studies and causal theory and stuff like that. Yeah. So what do you think? I mean, are there other, like, what, what would you think as far as the skill set for chaos engineering? Yeah. Uh, and being fearless. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, I think I think it's too far. I think I think first off, we have to get a lot more comfortable with using automation in a in a way that's not exactly uh, really well talked about today. I think everybody, when they hear automation, they think configuration management, and largely a lot of these kind of 
uh, approaches to, to process of, of improving reliability of our networks is much more about ingesting data and seeing how that data changed when uh, a failure occurred. Um, and so we have to get way, way, way better about being able to do that sort of um, that, uh, that you know, post uh, post incident analysis so that when we do, you know, it's there's no point in setting up a chaos experiment if you can't analyze it after the fact and learn from right. it. Right. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah, yeah. you're just repeating failure. Right. So then in so an automated so fashion. So, so it's actually going to go into it's actually going going into telemetry, too. Exactly. You have to know what you're going to measure and 100%. why you're measuring that. Yeah, for sure. For sure, yeah, and I th and I think I think there's there's also two axes here, and I've been on, I've been on this hobby horse before. Um, there are aspects of network analytics that is are very important. It's very important to monitor the network itself, but but uh, there's a higher order level of analysis that needs to take place here, and it's an application centric one. Um, so there's initiatives that I that I've uh, blogged about and talked about things like unit uh, unit testing for your networks, validating that the, the config is the way that it is. Um, but those aren't those aren't arguments that you can take to your application owners. The application owners care about their app, right? And so if you're validating that the network is doing what it's doing, it has to be an application-centric view. Okay. So you have to say, like, I am providing this service. Why? Not because SNMP says the interface is up. Um, it's because I'm actually replicating this service through the network, and I can show you that your application is working. Uh, it's not. And the the analogy I give, if you go to the AWS dashboard, for instance, um, they don't give you a list of their routers and switches and say whether or not they're up. They give you a list of their services. Why? Because customers don't care about the routers and switches. Right, they, they care about the services. They do because those are necessary, but they're, right. they're a dependence. They don't care about them directly. What they care about is the outcomes. They care about the services that run, uh, that they consume on AWS. They don't consume the routers and switches. It's just table stakes. They care about the services. I don't know. Maybe they do consume their routers and switches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm having a router for dinner. If, yeah. I was, if, I, if I were to make my own, this is why I don't make a cloud, but if I was going to make my own cloud, I would just say, like, you know, configure your own switches and routers and have fun. What, is that even a cloud? I think that's just managed services. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's not even managed services. It's, it's managed, managed rack and stack. I'm outsourcing. <laughs> I'm the outsourcer and I'm outsourcing back to you. That's right. <laughs> reflexive outsourcing. Right. Reflexive outsourcing. I have no idea where we're going with this, by the way. <laughs> no, it's cool. Just business ideas. Yeah, they call it off the cuff idea. for a reason. <laughs> so, um, okay, so let's go back to skill set a little bit. Yeah. What kind of skill set would you need, do you think? So I think anything within the scope of automation is in play here because at the end of the day, again, from a, both from an analytics perspective as well as being able to inject chaos, um, there's, I mean, the tool chain um, is super fresh, uh, even outside of networking. You and especially just call RAND in C? Just call RAND? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> return, return a number? Exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. Take down that router. Yeah, so I, I think I think specific tools, uh, are. we're going to see that evolve over the next 10 years. This is super early, even outside of networking, so there's no denying that this is an early conversation. But um, any of the skills, I think, that you're already learning uh, to do automation in general, things like picking up Python or even Ansible to a degree, um, uh, as well as any adjacent skill sets, um, those are all going to be the fundamentals for this. I think chaos engineering is much more of a um, uh, sort of, not just a philosophy, but a, a, an applied philosophy, a, a way of challenging assertions, a, a, a different way of thinking. So, so I, I think learning actually the scientific principles is totally I was within say game. Causality theory, might exactly. Make a big yeah, difference. it doesn't just have to be technical yeah. skill sets. Right. Learning how to think about things in terms of hypotheses and challenging your own assumptions. Right. We make so many assumptions as engineers. Right. And right. it's just time to you know start challenging them, yeah. even if you don't do anything about There's it. There's a great book called uh, Making Things Happen, actually, on causality. I've theory, heard of that. Yeah, which, yeah, yeah. Which is, which is kind of cool. I yeah. mean, I, I wrote a paper against it, but nonetheless, <laughs> it <laughs> was actually a good book. I mean, I, I like the way he, the, the author went about saying, you set, this is how you set up experiments. This is how you yeah. make it happen. His philosophy of causality is another entire problem. But, <laughs> you know, yeah. but that, that's another thing. Yeah. So, 
and what about troubleshooting skills? I mean, I, I teach a thing on troubleshooting. I think troubleshooting is a really underrated skill in our yeah. world, unfortunately. People don't think about it. We just go out and just kind of like goof at it. And I think understanding what to look for and how to look for things might be really important in this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, and, and again, this is this is another one of those ambiguous things where um, it's so hard to just pitch one way of doing things because there's, you know, when you get into automation, you get you get presented with the tool chest. And so you don't know where to start. You, you have this like a, a landscape of different ways of doing things. And so um, even if you're doing troubleshooting manually, uh, you know, you might have like a very specific workflow, but somebody else will have a totally different workflow that's, a, yeah, that's right. specific to their environment and so you add automation onto this and it just makes it even more complicated yeah. but I think again uh, I, the important thing the, the thing that I always come back to and I go through different interests in my own career and I'm sure you've done the same um, the thing that I always come back to is the fundamentals those don't change right you pick up these skill sets and you learn the palette I think I think one of the one of the struggles is especially in networking we're so used to having sort of the package solution provided for us um, the appliance with the CLI yeah yeah exactly and 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 that's you know that's that's suitable for getting certain things done but um, but of course those those things are all, all are always built on fundamentals that change way less. Um, and I think if you if you arm yourself, it's like a painter, right? Um, when you're trying to learn to be a painter, do you do you memorize all of the paintings so that you can replicate them? Uh, no. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, down to the pixel. Down to the pixel. My, my memory's that good. I don't know about yours, but. Um, no, you learn about how colors work, and you learn the theory behind it a little bit. You learn how to blend things. You learn some of the science uh, science of the of the different um, substances that people used to use before yeah. machines why, were invented. Why acrylics versus oil paints? Exactly, or, and that type of stuff. Yeah. Exactly, and it's kind of the same thing as learning math. You hear you hear kids say like, "I'm never going to use this." Well, you will, just not directly. That's you don't right. you don't really you understand it right now. Right. When you're learning these things, it's about assembling the toolbox in your head so that when That's you right. when it comes time to Building actually apply a them. Map. As yeah, my major it, professor would say, exactly, it's it's building a mental map. And I think this is no different. I think I think it's about uh, you know, especially for chaos engineering specifically, it's still early, so the time is now to start building the ba the fundamental skill sets, and they're just gonna they're gonna and, and understanding what their skill sets might build might be in yeah. the long run, right? Trying yeah. to figure out exactly. So it's interesting. Like I said I, ne I never knew that there was a company doing this. I'm gonna have to go look them up and figure out. Yeah, I know doing. a few folks that I knew. I know of a few folks that work there. They're very popular on Twitter, and they're you know, they do they do amazing presentations. Actually, um, I think breaking stuff is a good presentation uh, material anyway. But they uh, their execution just goes well above and beyond it. So oh, I, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So do they break their presentations? That's what I wanted. Yeah. To in fact, I believe they presented recently at. Uh, chaos conf which I didn't get to go to because I was taking care of my newborn child um, <laughs> as excuses go that's a pretty good one um, otherwise I totally would have gone uh, but I believe they presented um, uh, they had they had a bunch of different people it wasn't just it wasn't just them but they sponsored the conference um, but they talked about all kinds of stuff and they broke stuff on uh, on stage in fact I think they broke their demo uh, in, in, in uh, I have to go back and see the recording, but I, I believe they broke all kinds of stuff. Oh, which that's is, wild! Yeah, 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 that's, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. And as conference topics go, breaking things is a very popular one. I can imagine. I'm, yeah, I'm people sure love to see that stuff. <laughs> I'm sure, it is. <laughs> Unless yeah. they're on stage. Unless they're on stage. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they're breaking the stage. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> or yeah, for sure. Like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, having a new kid is is probably a good. Uh, I think so. Good, is, is a good excuse. I think yeah. so. I haven't heard yeah, any complaints I, yet. I, I actually, um, I actually was called out on a global escalation when I was at the big vendor and uh, one of the big vendors, and uh, you know, I got down there and and my wife was nine months pregnant, literally two weeks shy of of being nine months pregnant. Yeah. And the VP says to me, oh, "You're going to stay and help us fix this problem?" And I said, um, "No, I'm flying home." <laughs> and he said, "What's your wife's phone number? I'll call her." <laughs> I said, "Good luck. You're brave." <laughs> You're a very brave person. Oh, man. <laughs> Cause, yeah. Because I wouldn't call her or tell her that. Oh, my God, <laughs> no, no. No way. No. That's crazy. So, yeah. 
All right. Well, cool. Yeah. Well, thanks, Matt. And um, yeah. we'll have you back on sometime, Network Collective, to talk about various stuff. There's so much stuff There's to talk so about. Much stuff to talk about. <laughs> and you know we do training. Yes. And you could actually, like, do training courses for us. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. We have that stuff type of stuff, too. So Sweet. Cool. Thanks. So, again, we're here at Next Work which is Juniper's conference, which is kind of small and intimate compared to most of the other conferences I got to. It's really cool, actually. It's just this room. Yeah, it's just this room. Just <laughs> it's just us. That's it. I'm we're, just joking. We're the whole conference. We're a little bit than that. I presented something to Matt. Matt presented this back to me. You know, it's, it's, it's really cool. For three days, we're doing this. <laughs> the hecklers got out of control, but. <laughs> they did. They did. But it was really cool. And um, so we'll hope to see you on future episodes of the Network Collective, and thanks for watching.